0: We call him his stepson. That's his, that's his family. So his he ain't getting stepson. rid of family. That's why I said. His family, he ain't getting rid of family. If you all look right. at all the coaches that he done got rid of, they all had winning records. Um, they had like a bad season and he got rid of them. He started out with bad seasons in the beginning and was graced with that. He, he sounds like, though,
1: he's getting a little bit pissed off at his family member, man.
0: Well, what father doesn't get mad at his son? he's fitting, he's fitting but, if it's, it. but if his son comes back and does good I told you that's my boy <laughs> All
1: right, we gonna uh-huh. go drop the intro mm-hmm. come right in
2: we are go for launch in 10, 9, 8 7, main thruster ignition 6, rocket booster 5, ignition 4, 4 3, 2, 2 1, 0 we have a liftoff rolling, rolling rolling got me started
1: What's up Cowboys Nation, welcome to episode 5 of the Stargaze Cowboys Podcast Featuring me, Skywalker Steel, and my OG Big Game James Coming at you after this, I don't want to call it devastating But this frustrating loss to the New England Patriots Which we've been beating down the last few days, right?
0: Beaten down, tired of beating it up. I mean, we all kind of understand what kind of game this was. I mean, if you, everybody watched it, it was on primetime, you know it was most the Patriots Cowboy. Me. Of course, it's the Patriots Cowboys, two of the most storied franchises right now. Uh, Cowboys always is one of the most valuable franchises in all of sports, and the New England Patriots, they have six Super Bowls. So, of course, everybody's going to watch that. Um, it didn't let down as far as the, the, the drama in the game but at the end of the day cowboys you know what still shoot themselves in the foot it's the same reoccurring thing um this whole season
1: it's becoming expected at this point you know as a fan because you know we, we we cover the team so we we dive in and out pretty uh detailed but as a fan when you're watching a game i don't know if you do this but anytime the cowboys have a big play or anytime something good happens i don't even celebrate i have to wait because mm-hmm. you just feel like there's been a boneheaded uh, penalty or, or a fumble may happen. Yeah. You know, the play call looks good to start and then something stupid happens within the play. It's just always something with this team.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it's a reoccurring thing and it's, it's not surprising. I mean. When you see the Cowboys play now, if you're a true Cowboys fan or if you've been in the media with the Cowboys a very long time, you should understand and know the pulse of this team and how this team acts. And we, just like you understand, when uh, the fourth quarter, when Dak threw that pass to Randall Cobb and he got that long game, the first thing I I jumped up and screamed, but then I started looking. I started looking for a flag um, because I'm already knowing that we – every time it seems like we get ahead or we get a gain or a nice play – that flag is coming. We saw once again when the Cowboys were driving in the fourth quarter to possibly win the game, um, that horrendous tripping call that uh, happened. And, I mean, it was on a third down. We get the first down. That's four more downs, and you're in good territory. You still have enough time on the clock. And then as soon as I seen that flag, I was like, man, here we go. And then when I saw what it was about, and they showed that, they showed the replay of it that I mean you never want I'll never wanna be ever one to blame the refs for losing games. But I've coached many a Um, you know, my youth football league where the refs have decided the game with a certain mm-hmm. cause. And as much as you don't want to blame them, you just sit there and want to stare at them like, yo, that could have cost really cost us the game. And you never want to put the game in the hands of the officials. You don't. And that's what happened in, in that game right there.
1: And like you said, I'm, I'm totally agree with you. And I, and I kind of don't even bring these up when talking about this game. But because it was so big, we have to in regards to our podcast and to covering the team. You got to bring up the cause, right? The calls were egregious. You know, they were some of the worst tripping calls I've ever seen. And I believe I saw a statistic that said there were only seven six, of them six and or a, seven.
0: Yeah, we and got like two of them. <laughs> and then one in one year, in in one, one year and in one only
1: two times in the last decade or so. Has there been a game where a team has
0: had two tripping calls? That is so Cowboys. But it's not just so cowboys. It's it's also when you don't want to have conspiracy theories. That's why you don't you you don't want to have conspiracy theories. But when you see something like that, in a game that big, and they're in, in Foxborough playing against the New England Patriots, it just makes you wonder, man. Like I'm not the conspiracy theory. I'm like super analytical, like real life type things. But those things do go on, and when you see things like that that happen in that part of the game just really makes you wonder, man, because that's crazy. Where There was no reason for you even call that. You let the game play out. You let these players who battled all game long yeah. in a tight, fought game, you let them battle out, especially in these elements. You don't do something like that at that particular part of the game. It's not right, and I, I, I made a tweet right after that, and maybe it was a tweet on emotion, but I don't think so, because even in thinking about it, I still believe it. When I, I said that every team should get one special challenge every game. Just one. Yeah, doesn't so, uh, matter doesn't matter what it is. And it does hey, you can use it and that's it. But you get one special challenge, whether if it's a holding call you think, whether it's a you know, a tripping you see or a bad anything it is, one per game you get the challenge because that could change the part of the game if you could have challenged something like
1: that. I'll play devil's advocate, because I mean I agree, that'd be dope if we can get a special challenge. But this is in 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 we'll move on to the next part of of this game that has to do with this part here and it's coaching. This is where I think coaching came into play where I think Bill Belichick is just genius. Like Rex Ryan said, that didn't happen because they saw that in the game on Sunday that happened because Bill told the league office, Hey, I want you guys to look at this. The league office told that referee crew, hey, I want you guys to keep your eye on this. And Bill told that referee crew before the game, hey, remember what we sent you guys? Keep an eye on that throughout the game because we're going to be bull rushing. And that's exactly what happened. What, what is the what is the, a famous saying? Uh, Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Well, he was prepared for this. And... Mm-hmm. and We'll dead that because we know Bill was one of the most prepared ever. But you know what else he was prepared for, and what Dallas seemed like they weren't prepared for?
0: The weather and special special teams. It's embarrassing. He knew knew that that was going to be an effect. I mean, just like you said, he prepares like no other. He knew the weather was coming, and he looked down and said, You know what? When, even when you look at his press conference, he was giving glowing, glowing reviews for the offense, that Prescott, um, You know, he, he probably he said good things about the defense, but there's the thing. He didn't say nothing about no special teams. No special teams. <laughs> he didn't say nothing about no special teams, but he gave those remarks. So he said, okay, you know what? They're really good right here, right here, but guess what? they're dead last in a lot of these categories on the special teams and it's bad weather. You know, what we're going to do, we're going to try a little bit of different things on the special teams to see what happens to see if they bite. And if they do bite, let's keep on attacking it until they change it. And that's good coaching because there's three phases in every game, offense, defense, and special teams, but special teams often gets overlooked because it's, not every day, every play. It's game. not sexy. It's yeah, it's not sexy. And it's not every play, so people tend to ignore it. But when it happens, it's so big, and you're like, wow, special teams. It, and go ahead. It, it it possibly has cost us a
1: couple games this year, um, and this is becoming a recurring thing. We've seen all the statistics. Dallas is bottom tier, bottom third, in just about every single last category on special teams. And it didn't just start with the punt block or the punt. Uh, uh, mishaps with us to lay games. It started once again. Why does this keep happening, big game? Once again, we decided to go and kick a field goal early in the game when we had no business doing so, in my opinion. 46, 47 yard field goal in the first quarter. You're driving the ball a little bit. It was like fourth and six. You know, mm-hmm. bad weather, bad win with a bad kicker. Let me let me t- let me say that one more time. Bad weather, check. Bad win check. Bad kicker, check. But we're gonna run out here and kick a forty six yard field goal on on the road in this stadium where not many kickers are successful when the weather is like this. I you know, it started there again. We did the same thing, uh, was it against the Lions and a fifty seven yard field goal or whom was it? The the, the Vikings. Vikings. The Vikings opened up with a fifty seven yard field goal when you had no business doing that. I mean, these things and we could blame a special teams coach, and I will. Quito Quinn should get a lot of lane but we have a lot of people that want to get rid of keith o'quinn but they are scared to talk about jason garrett he oversees everything he is your walk around head coach he should be going to keith and saying hey no we're going to go for it here or if we get within fourth to six we're going to punt it because we're going to play field position your defense was playing good enough to play field position man you gotta I, i don't understand this what does analytics say i'm sure it didn't say kick it
0: I mean, we don't. But here's the thing: you said analytics, and you just heard Jason Garrett said they don't go by the analytics. And then you heard Jerry Jones just back him and said they don't. I, it, I agree with Jason. They ain't tripping on the analytics. Ass so backwards. they don't. They don't go by the analytics part. Um, they go by Brett Maher has kicked a three field goals for over 60 yards. And if it's a 46 yards, then I feel like that's the uh, we. Our chances are good. And that's what Jason Garrett's going to tell you. I feel like our chances are good. Because he's kicked 360 yarders, but we should also understand that just like I told you, Maher's going to make one and Maher's going to miss one in a game. And what'd he do? He missed one and he made one. And that's just what he's going to do. He's going to miss one field goal in that game. I'd rather be early than late. That's what I say. Uh, But, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's the conservative nature. Once again, it's the conservative nature because you said, this weather, the elements are bad. You're kicking a 46-yard field goal, the, uh, the win isn't bad. But you know what? The Patriots did the same thing. They kicked two field goals as well. And they were 40-yarders, and Nick Fole missed as well. So you can say that in hindsight, they can probably go with Jason Garrett. But at the end of the day, I mm-hmm. criticize Bill Belichick for it as well. I mean, definitely I'm with
1: did, the way I'm their did. defense was playing. But they had, in those instances, they had to lead. Okay, you, you, you have a little bit more of a leeway to do so. Your, your defense is way better. It's
0: a conservative defense. nature. Dude, Jason Garrett is thinking it's bad weather. It was third and – it's fourth and seven. We don't feel like we can get it. We don't feel like we can get it. That's what he just said in his head. Allegean. You know what I mean? We don't feel like we can get this. So let's go ahead and try to get some points on the board. I'm just going by what he's probably thinking in his head and from right. my perspective. Uh, but we see – Uh, Once again, doesn't go through, Um, you know, special teams just really hurt us. And not Uh, just that, it's just not really just the special teams. It's just us shooting ourselves in the foot. Once again, that's the problem. When you look at a lot of our losses, and even when we're uh, coming back against uh, teams like the Dolphins or the Giants, uh, where we're making it more of a game than it should be, is because what? We make mistakes. We shoot ourselves in the foot, and then we got to climb our way back in because we get down in games.
1: Yeah, I, I need to know who is uh, in Tony Pollard's ear, who's in the special team uh, players' ears on the kickoff. When you see that they're kicking it short two times, and the third time you still elect to go in the end zone. that That is, like, like Coach said, like Jerry said, that is coaching. Okay, that is coaching. And Keto Quinn and Jerry, not Jerry Jones, Keto Quinn and Jason Garrett have to be held accountable. And I am glad for one that jerry jones came out and held him accountable and according to jane slater um he ain't still not happy you know jerry's still not happy uh the temperature around there is that he's pissed off and there's a we'll wait and see approach after thursday so
0: you know
1: we'll see about jerry and jg and that whole we were talking before the show that's his boy I don't know, man. That's his stepson, but Daddy getting mad.
0: Man, I don't, I don't believe it. I, like I said, I made a, a, a show. I did a show yesterday. I don't believe it. I don't believe that he's gonna fire Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett had seven game win lo- losing streak in 2015. Jason Garrett was three and five last year, and he still kept on uh, having that. He's ups, upset and frustrated. Of course, Jerry's gonna do that. And Jerry also is a guy that loves to play to the camera and loves to play to the media. Uh-huh. He definitely loves playing to that. So I don't believe everything that Jerry shows on the media and shows what he likes the media to see. My thing is this. I really doubt that he's getting rid of a Jason Garrett that he's had here for nine years. Okay, because of a few things, especially when the Cowboys <clears throat> are not uh five and eleven or six and ten right now. They're not. They're six and five and they're still competitive. So where do you really see Jerry Jones getting rid of Jason Garrett doing that? I'm sorry, I don't see that. I, I, not, he, not, he already said he
1: wasn't but th- that what you just said is why he should okay in my opinion you're at six and five maybe seven and five or six and six which is no matter if you lose this game you're still in first place no matter what happens um that is all the more reason in my opinion to go a different direction because we know we have nine years of evidence of what jason garrett is in his nine years he started off one or two games above 500. In the first eleven games, in all but two of them, two or three of them. I mean, we know what he is. So, in my opinion, let's get rid of the same, the person. We know what he's going to do in the playoffs. We know what he's going to do and in the season, and bring in someone. Not even bring in, elevate someone else that is not shackled by Jason Garrett. Because believe me, he has shackles on this team. Listen to these guys; they're robots.
0: I mean, you're going to be shackled by Jerry Jones regardless because he got everybody robotic for real, for real, because everybody jumps to his command. So even if you're saying promote within um, or if they go to outside, like a, for Jerry this year, Jones, I mean, for, um, this year. for this year, but at their Beyond, you know, he still loves Kellen Moore. You know, he has that affinity for him. So you got to really think that. Who is he going to bring in? Because if he brings an offensive type mind, is he going to want to keep Kellen Moore? Uh, Jason, if uh, Jerry Jones says it, he will, he will. Because I've seen him hire Wade Phillips and I've seen him bring in Jason Garrett. I don't believe Wade Phillips was choosing Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator. I think Jerry Jones said, this is who you're going to take. Oh, yes, of and yeah, so course. Also, that's what I'm saying. So when you're, if you're a head coach and he's bringing you from the outside and you're not going to be able to bring in your own people, Who's going to really be a guy that's going to coach out of Jerry Jones? That's where you can see. I said Kellen Moore. That's why he wants Jason Garrett, in my opinion, to still succeed. Because I believe that he has Kellen Moore in waiting. Just my opinion, that he's doing the same way he did it like Garrett bring Keller Moore up in the ranks, let Jason Garrett hopefully continue to win, and then when Jason Garrett bows out, you elevated Kellen Moore. That's the way I feel like he's trying to set it up, and that's why he keeps on back Jason Garrett. I'd take Kitna. I'd take Kitna. i will take Kellen Kitna Moore. too. I mean, Kitna was a head coach in high school, and I know yeah. it's high school, but at the end of the day, he produces, and you see what he's done uh, to uh, Dak Prescott, and I just feel like he will command the, uh, the locker room. I feel like I, I John think... Kitna will command the locker room, yeah. and I don't feel like John Kittner will take that trash, and I don't think Garrett is a pushover. But I don't think players are scared of him.
1: I told you before the year. I think it'd be a horrible mistake to elevate Kellen Moore as your head coach because Kellen Moore is not a leadership material. I, right
0: I'm now. not saying you don't have it. enough
1: skins. I'm not, right, but saying I'm just is. telling you that that would. Did you be think Jason Garrett?
0: Horrible. Right. Did you think Jason Garrett had the skin when he was offensive coordinator? He did
1: have the skins. He won two Super Bowls. He'd been in the league for years. He played. He had He had experience. It's a totally different situation, and he's a no-nonsense guy when he was a player. Totally different situation I'm with Kellen saying, Babyface Moore. Okay.
0: Yeah, you're looking up. at the Babyface, but what I'm telling you is I think that that's their mindset that they eventually would love I, to see him. That's fine. If he get, no, I'm not saying him doing mistake. it right now, not now or next year. No, that's why they want to keep Garrett in the fold so he can continue to learn under him.
1: Why would he want to learn under Jason? Because because Garrett.
0: Jerry Jones loves Jason Garrett. That's why he's the second longest tenure coach in Dallas Cowboy history. Of
1: course he loves Jason Garrett, but we're not talking about if he loves it or not. We're talking about who could step up if Jason Garrett is gone after this game. And I don't – It will be Kevin Chris Wachonger. I'm fine with that.
0: It would be so, Chris Rashard.
1: So be it. That's and who let, they would give it to. And my thing is, let Chris Rashard, whoever the heck it is, run this team without the shackles of Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett, I know you're saying it's the shackles of Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is the one being conservative on that field. It's Jason Garrett. And speaking of the conservatives, fourth and seven, you have been driven down in the field all game to get into the 10-yard line, 11-yard line. You finally get down And we decide we're playing for a field goal with six minutes left. I mean, I don't know what your side is. I didn't really hear your side yet on that. Um, I'll give you my side. I think that series was lost on second down. On second and seven, we should have went into this thing saying this is four down territory. What were we doing well in that game? Running the ball. What did we do on second and third down? Pass the ball. If you just run the ball, get two yards, run the ball on third down, get another two or three yards, hell, you might get a first down. If not, you got fourth and short. Now you 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 can go for it confidently. I get that fourth and seven is a lot longer to uh, convert. Still, you got to go for it. But I get the hesitation. But you lost that series, in my opinion, that possession in the red zone on second down. I, I didn't see your thoughts on that. I mean, what? how do you – were you okay with the field goal? Did you think it was the right call? I mean, I was livid.
0: Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really get mad because I knew they were going to do what they were going to do. I knew they were going to kick the field goal. I knew 100% they were going to kick the field goal. That's why I didn't jump up and scream and go off. I've seen everybody go off on Twitter and say, watch and go for it. Yeah. But it's Jason Garrett. And you know what Jason Garrett is looking at? Well, you know what? Tom Brady hasn't killed us today. The Patriots only had 13 points on the field. Our defense has played pretty good. We have kept him out the end zone. We still have over six minutes left in the game. If we get a field goal and stop them, we still have an opportunity to go down the field and win the game. That's what his thought pattern was, in my opinion. That's exactly what he was thinking, and that's why he went for the field goal. So me, personally, I wasn't really mad at it because I already knew he was going to do it. And what happened was Dallas, even though they did give up over three minutes of a drive, they did stop them to get the ball back with the opportunity to win the game. So in one part of it, yeah, let's have some guts and go for it. But the other part of it is our defense did stop them. We did have time on the clock to come back and actually win the game. So uh, I don't know that that I, I don't I'm how, not how really I'm not really crazy mad about that. I will not lie in oh, man, that, that 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 is that epitomizes this team, in my opinion,
1: so close. And then your, your balls shrink. Excuse my language. But that's what it epitomizes this team. We have nobody on this team. I know Des Bryant didn't win a Super Bowl. And I, and I know, you know, whatever. But Des Bryant wouldn't been with that. OK, there's no one that is going to say something. That's the problem. Who is saying something? Not Kellen Moore. He's he's up under Jason Garrett. The defensive coaches ain't worried about the offense at the moment. They're trying to get ready for the next series. No one is checking this man. Here's why this why I was I was pissed off about the situation. Like like Brian Broder says, know your team, have a feel for your team. Did you not see that it took a, a miraculous fifty yard passing play to get down there? And then a, another, I think, penalty on a drive to get down there. That was the best drive of the, the, the game. You hadn't been getting in, inside the red zone. This is your opportunity right here to tie the ball game. If you don't tie the ball game, they get the ball back on, what, the five, six-yard line if, if you don't convert on fourth and short. And they got to go. 90 yards or six? They're not going to do that. They're conservative. They're going to—they're going to play it like, all right, bad weather. It's back here. We're going to just try to punt the ball and uh, play defense because they haven't been driving down here, okay? And if they do throw it, hell, you put yourself in a position to create a turnover. I know we're allergic to it.
2: Well,
0: like I said, I can play devil's advocate and say, Jason Garrett was thinking, you know what, I am showing balls because I'm going for the win. We're going to kick a field goal. We're going to use our defense to stop it. We're going to go score a touchdown and we're going to walk off and win the game. That's what the only way I can use the thinking of his mindset because What's mindset what is
1: being conservative, like you
0: said? It's a, it's a conservative mindset. We know. it. We know right. he's a conservative coach. I mean, we understand. We've seen nine years of Jason Garrett. For us to sit there and think that he's a guy that is just going to show you things that are like, oh, let's go ahead and do this. Let's go for it. Unless people start bringing it up, like we said before last year. He was being ultra conservative in games, punting or kicking field goals when he didn't need to. And then as soon as it was going on in the paper and the publications in the news, then you start seeing him go for it on fourth down two consecutive games and two times in one game. I mean, it's it's just right now, it's just a funny situation. And it's 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 maddening because my problem is you want to say, man, here's that Buffalo game coming up. We still can beat them, but then you see our bonehead plays, and you're like, this yeah. could just be another one of these games, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and, and guys, we're going to get into the Buffalo um, tape breakdown in the third segment. Our second segment actually is pretty cool. We're going to have Bobby Belt on here, if you guys don't know who he is. He's NFL Network field producer uh, for Dallas, and he hosts the Cowboys cast, and he's a co-host of Boys and Girl with Jane Slater also from the nfl network so really excited to have him on um we'll get to that
0: buffalo game but
1: again it's another winning team uh, so yeah until we beat
0: one i i'm not confident i can't not you confident, be confident at all i mean you can't even and what's so funny is that we were living off uh possibly that eagles and they're five and six so we have ready. no games of i mean we swept it so far swept the east so far four and oh none of those games are impressive and even in those games we struggled against the Giants in that game at New York. People forget yeah. the Miami Dolphin game that we, if you look at the score, it was closer than it looked because if we didn't get the big turnover at halftime they were going and marching in to score a touchdown to take the lead. You or know a field, what I'm saying? At the very least. Uh, uh, field goal at the very least. And um, even in Detroit, Detroit dropped 27 points with a quarterback named Jeff Driscoll. So.
1: Um, at least we came out slow against Washington.
0: I mean, it's, it hasn't, it hasn't looked good It hasn't looked impressive. And to me, these people that continue this, uh, you know, back, you know, the whole situation with Garrett, and nobody wants to continue to pile on them. But when you see you have six wins and none of them are against a winning team. And you're supposed to be this team that's supposed to be having these Super Bowl aspirations. But it's still the same thing. And then you still have your players who I don't want to even hear their interviews. Like, I'm going to keep it real. I don't post their interviews on my page or anything like that because they ain't saying nothing. I mean, not one of them are sitting there saying, you know, they're not making the excuse. Oh, well, we're not making no excuses. We need to get better. But I don't want to hear get better. I want to hear somebody saying, you know what? I suck today and I really do need to get better. I need to see some people jumping in and uh, doing it. I-, I need to see some fire.
1: I, I mean, I miss that about De- I know I keep bringing up Dez, but I see absolutely zero fire on that sideline, and that's at the head coach position, even at the head coach position. I get that. Everything is about preparation leading up to the game, but you have to be able to do something during the damn
0: game. What does Jason Garrett do during the game? Someone I mean, please tell me. We Like I said, we know it is. I... I I almost—I've told you before. I think we talked on a lot last podcast. I'm numb to it. I'm really just numb to it. I—I oh, I don't try to, you know. I love my team and want to pump out my chest, but deep inside, I have the feeling of man. Say you know with what? your it's, chest. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the <laughs> same old thing. You know what I'm saying? It's—it's the, it's the same old thing. It's the same old Cowboys. Um, I have, you know, and and you don't even want to point out, you know, these other uh, coaches that've been here as long as Jason Garrett. But the proof is in the pudding. I mean that's not that's not by coincidence that you see that, and and also I was also talking on my show Scott Walker last night. You get a Pete Carroll who's tremendous. Why is he so much better? He gets a guy named Russell Wilson who was pretty good in college, and what does he do with him? You get what I'm saying. Cam Newton comes out, and then Ron Rivera is his coach. Ron Rivera is okay, but he still has Carolina competitive. But he molds and changes that offense for mm-hmm. a Cam Newton. What happens? They get to a Super Bowl. You get what I'm saying? And now yeah. you get a John Harbaugh, who I always loved as a head coach. And I told you, he was the one guy. Like, any one guy in the NFL that could be our head coach. We could have had him. I, I, that's who I wanted. Because I feel like he's that no no nonsense guy and he's adaptable. And I think he's a player's coach, but he's also about discipline. He doesn't play those games. But you see, he has he wins a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. Now and he comes in, in with position. a and now he comes in with a kid named Lamar Jackson and re-changes the whole offense, caters it to this player, and now look at him. Do you really think that if Jason Garrett had a Lamar Jackson, he would be doing that? Oh, I don't no, no, believe no. so. It'll move him to wide receiver. Probably. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe so. And we have, and what's even more crazy is we have the number one, the number one offense or the top rated offense in the league, and it seems like we're boring. Here's, and I, I thought about this. I'm, I'm like, you know, because the eye test
1: doesn't always match. We do have the number one offense in the league, right? And we have so many talented players, great offensive line, great quarterback great running back great receiver i mean it's just it's ridiculously talented but and i hate to harp on the defense but dallas still does not start any possession above the 50 yard line so this offense has to drive 70 80 90 yards constantly all game weeks at a time okay and the only way they're winning games i believe they've lost every single game that they haven't scored 30 points only way they're winning games is when they start pressing themselves and it's good conditions. But when they're pressing themselves and it's against eh, bad teams. Against good teams, y'all. Your boy Jason Garrett is 0-4 and lost by a combined 22 points. I'm sorry. You go 2-2 two two in that stretch. You go one and two in a three-game stretch like that. You can say, okay, I, you know, I'm gonna mix it here, mix it there. The player is a coach, the players are coach. 0-4. I cannot give the, uh, the coach a pass that you cannot win a game, a two-point game, a two-point game, a four-point game. You have to be able to do something to outcoach the other team one time. That's all you need to do it. One time and you win the game. We asked him to do it against the Patriots. We knew he wasn't going to be able to do it. But I said, just give me one aspect. And we, know happened, we got our asses kicked on special teams. And it's so funny you brought up Bill Belichick talking about that, talking about the defense, and before the game he didn't mention a single damn thing about that special teams
0: man because mm-hmm, he already knew what he was going he knew after. to keep them cards in his hand. Yeah, he knew to be quiet and not talk about that because that's what we about to exploit, and and they didn't even see it coming. Mm-hmm. And that's what's that's that's and that's the that's the problem. Because you would see that with the coach has been there two, three, maybe four, maybe four years, but not after nine years. And that's what people keep saying. Not after nine years should these same things be happening that it's been happening to to a young coach should not keep on doing these same things. man. Man, he's like a rookie quarterback,
1: but it's a rookie coach. All right. Second, second segment, we're about to roll in here. We're going to bring in, like I said, Bobby Belt from the NFL Network and uh, the field producer in Dallas, also the host of the Cowboys cast and Boys and Girls podcast. Um, we're going to get him up, team up, and bring him in here. We'll be right back. Cowboys Nation.
0: All right, y'all, well, we are back with the Stargaze podcast, and we said we're going to bring a special guest on here, and we do, Mr. Bobby Belt. I call him Bobby Digital, so I don't know if y'all watch any, listening any rap out there or anything like that, but I'm a Wu-Tang fan. And I had Bobby on the show uh, uh, early this season, right before, I believe it was like right around the combine, I believe you had you on because we were talking about the Marcus Lawrence so. contract and yeah. everything. But he was just coming with them fire with them stats, and if you go follow him on Twitter, he be coming with that flame. So I'm like, yeah. that's that's Digi, that's just Bobby Digi. So he knows the name, and when I he likes that name too because I was like, what's up, Digi? He like, oh, what's up? I'm like, yeah, he liked
2: that name. Yeah, what's up, yeah, Bobby yeah. No, I'm Digi? More, I'm more, I'm more <laughs> Raekwon, guy, but yeah.
0: How you doing today, man?
2: I'm great. How are you?
0: Pretty good, man. Just uh, you know, talking that Cowboys football, talking that New England game, talking this all kind of craziness right now. I'm sure you've been able to talk about it. Um, I know you uh I just want to give a quick plug to your podcast. Mm-hmm. You got the uh, Boys and Girls podcast with uh, Jane Slater. How's that how's that rocking?
2: Yeah, it's it's going great. Um we release two episodes a week during the season. We'll do probably just one episode a week during the off season. But I mean, you know, around draft time, when we start interviewing more of the draft prospects and things like that, we'll probably do multiple episodes a week. But uh, yeah, we're, it's in partnership with the herd and iHeartRadio and uh, we've been having a lot of fun with it. We'll uh, actually have a new episode dropping tomorrow uh, with RJ Ochoa as a guest from blogging the boys and um, Eric Wood, the former bills center, who's now their color analyst on the radio.
0: Nice. nice. So I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Well, we're going to talk about some things that just happened. We've seen the Cowboys lose to the Patriots. 13 to 9 has been talked about in the news. We've seen the tripping call. We've seen uh, the bad special teams play things that could have cost the game. But you know what? I, a few things I just want to ask you. First of all, what do you think is the temperature around the team? These close losses and these coaching blunders are evident because we've seen it happen uh, with the Saints being conservative. We've seen the Minnesota game starting out slow and then coming all the way back back in the game with Dak Prescott looking crazy, and then they take it out of Dak's hand. And then the slow start against the Packers, and we get all the way down, they come back. And then you just see this Patriots game. What do you think the temperature is, is around the team right now with these continually things that continue to come up with coaching?
2: I mean, I think pretty consistently the message you hear from the players is we've got to start faster. We can't, you know, have such so slow starts and that's fair. Um, it, it's really bizarre how much the slow starts have hampered them this year. It's There's yeah. nothing that you can really point to, I don't think. I mean, for it to be this consistent through 11 games that they struggle to get going early on, there's just some large underlying reason and I, I don't think anybody's able to pinpoint it. You know, normally. If you ask players about stuff like that and they tell you, you know, well, oh, I don't know, or, you know, it's hard to answer or anything like that, they're a lot of times just give you a blow-off answer. They don't want to answer something. I think of this one, they genuinely don't know. I think it's just as confusing to them as to why it's happening. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, the only thing you can point to is it's got to just be the preparation. And the preparation is lacking on some front, and that falls on the coaching staff. But, I mean, uh, you know, it's funny. This year they are negative twenty nine in the first quarter is their point differential and in the second through fourth quarter uh, combined they're plus 114 wow. and so if they actually if they would have just been I, I tweeted this out the other day if they would have just been tied tied not trailing not winning if they would have just been tied at the end of the first quarter of all their games this year they would be 10 and 1 because the Saints are the only team that's outscored them in the second through fourth quarter this year
1: with field goals at that
2: so, <laughs> so I mean it, realistically, this team is not that far away from having a really, you know, strong 10, 9, 11 win season um, th- through this point. It's just, I, I think that... But
0: don't we hear this same thing, Bobby, just how you just said it. We've heard this reoccurring theme, and I think that's the problem. I think with the frustration where with people in the media, with the Cowboys, or the fan base especially what you're just talking about right now if this would be happening Dallas could be this or if this was be happening Dallas would be that how many times have we heard about this are the Cowboys under to me underachieving once again we could they could be doing this they could be doing that but once again it's not happening the same reoccurring things happening I, year in year
2: I agree with I agree with that but here's where I'll, I'll come at it a little different I think in 2017 2018 years like that you would look at games they won and said a play here or there and they would lose that game. You know, especially that seven game win streak or whatever they went on at near the end of the season is that it, it was a very thin margin for error that they were winning a lot of those games in the win streak. They hit a late field goal uh, to beat Atlanta. They, um, you know, they had that back and forth with Philly. Uh, you know, they, they were winning games, but it was by narrow margins. This year, they are, they're not winning any of these thin margin games. And so I, I think that it is – there's always been this discussion of a play here or a play there, but we've usually been talking about it as a play here and a play there, and their record could be worse. This season, It's they've blown out a bunch of teams, and then all of their losses have been by a thin margin. I mean, it's really stunning how bad their luck has been in the sense that you look at, you know, their – uh, what they've lost all I mean I think genuinely a bounce here a bounce there and they win all five of their losses and you've yes. not been able to say that in years past no you and had so last
1: I'm sorry you had last year they were eight and two in I believe some, something like that six or two or eight two in one score games and
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> you're they can't buy a one score game win
2: they their record they have a 500 record this year in games where they allow 13 points or less they're wow. two and three in games where they allow 13 points or less. That is not normal. Wow. That doesn't normally happen. And so it's I mean, genuinely it's it's been a, a bounce or two. They have been hard luck losers. But you know, there is that a bit of that old adage that, you know, you kind of create your own luck. And so while they have been hard luck losers and you can't really explain away why they have these losses, the one consistency has been that these losses have all come against good teams other than the Jets but other than that it's been against good teams and so it's tough usually a middle of the pack team isn't going to stomp on bad competition and lose narrowly to good teams usually if you're stomping on bad teams you're one of the better teams but if you're one of the better teams you're also not consistently losing close ball games to good teams so I mean they really are puzzling it's puzzling what their identity is and I think it's frustrating to the team and I think they're starting to really feel the pressure of the Look, they like Jason Garrett. They love Jason Garrett. They're close to him. I think they're really starting to feel the pressure of, if we don't get this together, he's losing his job. And I think that's starting to be something serious that's weighing on them. So in terms of the temperature of the locker room, I think there is some sobriety about where they are. And it's, it's very, you know, they're very serious about the position they're in right now. Oh, I like that. Serious.
0: Well, we we about to see how serious they are because they got a game coming up this Thursday, and they better be serious because it's <laughs> gonna go give even hotter up in there if they get another loss back to back. So we'll see about that. Now, one other thing: what's the biggest headline coming out of that game? Now, to me, obviously, yeah, they talked about the special teams and things of that nature. I, I and you know, I'm not one to cry. I promise you, I never bring this up. But that going at that tripping call just threw me all the way off, especially. At the end of the game, and it and and I was talking to Skywalker still earlier in our segment that yeah, I never, I'm not a conspiracy, ty- conspiracy theory type dude. Like I don't be, I do be on that. I'll be on reality. But when I see something like that in the end of game in New England, at twice. New England twice, I'm like, come on now, what's going on? What was kind of your biggest headline coming out of that New England game?
2: Well, I'll say that I I think that on the tripping call, it was made twice and it was made by the same official. I think that's just an instance of that's an official who didn't know what the definition was. I think that was somebody who just had a poor and not that that's an excuse. That's awful. I mean, you should be suspended (laughs) for that as a referee. But I'm just saying that I think that that comes from that was that referee clearly didn't have a grasp on what the call was supposed to mean. But in terms of the biggest headline, I mean, I think the biggest headline coming out of that was just Jerry Jones's reaction to the coaching staff and. Uh, He's been very complimentary lately of opposing coaching staffs. And uh, I I think that, you know, Dak Prescott's in his fourth year now. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is in his fourth year now. Uh, By Troy Aikman's fourth year, they were winning Super Bowls. And those Super Bowls stopped by year seven for Troy. And I think Jerry has just really come into grips with the idea that this is their window and I think it's starting to weigh on him more and more that the coach may be responsible this is one of the first years that when you look at it they've largely been healthy they haven't been beaten down by a lot of things like that they're beating up on bad teams really the only thing that seems to be holding them back this is one of the first years in the Garrett era where it seems like just about all of their problems come back to insufficient coaching and so I think that's starting to become a realization for the Cowboys and you're starting to see them talk that way in the media. So, I mean, I, I really think Jason Garrett's job at this point is Super Bowl or bust. Yeah. The Super Bowl appearance, or it's over for him. Absolutely.
0: Well, <laughs> That would be a great thing if it was a Super Bowl or bust. I mean, that'd be great if you Super Bowl and didn't bust. But I don't believe it. I'm sorry. I don't believe it. I, just don't I, believe
2: I, I, will, I will say that I think this team's talented enough that I think when they go out there and they We give
0: know they're talented team, enough. We, <laughs> we know they're talented enough.
2: I, I think that's the thing, though. I think when they give their very best performance, there's literally not a team in the NFL they can't beat. I think they are. Agreed. It, it, I think their best against any team in the NFL's best, I think they're there's a good shot they beat anybody. I think the, the, the best the- Patriots can give versus the best the Cowboys can give, I think the Cowboys are in that ball game, And Real so, quick, I mean, they've they definitely I, got the talent. I feel you. Coaching staff.
1: I mean, that's a great point that Bobby brings up because I hate to say this because the what-if game, but I really feel like if that game is played with no bad weather, it's a completely different ball game for our offense. I, I really think they're able to move the ball up and down the field. On, and that's a great defense. But we saw what the Ravens did to them. Uh, against that great defense. So, yeah, I agree.
0: That's, yeah, I, mean, I, say, I, I, I mean, I feel you.
2: It's ridiculous things with coaching stuff, but third and 20 and Julian Edelman is able to get to the sticks.
0: Yeah, oh, right. It,
2: it, it, it's, like right. The next, it's like the next drive and it's third and three and they run a one-yard route for Randall Cobb. Like, that's that's just inexcusable. The, the issues with you're not having Tony Pollard up closer on the kickoffs. I mean, they muffed all three kicks that were into the wind. That could have been great field position, great return opportunities. Those are failures of the coaching staff and they're happening, happening way too consistently. And it's like Jerry said, he shouldn't be this frustrated with how talented this team is.
1: I got, I got a question for you, Bobby. It's the next question on our list here. Um, It has to do a little bit of the coaching, but also the player himself. Is there, or what is the level of concern with Jason Witten's play? Because, we are not seeing, and then we knew we weren't going to see Pro Bowl Jason Witten, but it's looking like he is a actual problem in the fact that he's not performing that well. And he's also holding back a guy who seems like every time he touches the ball, he makes at least one play a game. So is is there, do you feel yeah. there's a level of concern or?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you could probably be getting, I, I think you may be able to get better performance overall out of the offensive if. You know, Blake Jarwin was out there more consistently than Witten. But um, I also think that Witten's – I think Witten's play is at a higher level than you were getting out of Jeff Swaim last year. Oh, yeah. And so I still think, I still think you've improved the tight end position, even if we think in theory Jarwin would be better there full time. But I also don't know that – I feel like Witten's playing time versus Jarwin's playing time is way far down the list of things I think are holding this team back. And I think that they could be a strong contender fixing other issues outside of Witten um, that I, I don't know that the, the Witten one moves the needle as much for this team in terms of how well they're playing. I think the bigger issue with them is sort of the issues they've had tackling, especially with their linebackers, oh, some of the confidence issues that Chirabea Wuxieh seems to have. Um, and, you know, just some of these issues where they're, they're starting extremely slow in these ballgames. I think those are all much bigger issues that if those were fixed, I, I think the, the tight end issue wouldn't even be noticeable.
1: Yeah, that's a good point because I brought up before the year, Witten, Jarwin doesn't matter. It's not like the tight end is featured anymore in this offense. So that's a good point.
2: Not, not as much, no. Um, it should, though, but it should, though. They, sh- I mean, yeah, a lot of the teams – see, that's the funny thing. I, I know a myth. A lot of people have talked about the the archaic Scott Linehan offense, and they would say, you know, oh, with two tight ends. Well, like, here's, actually, if you look at it, some of the more analytically heavy, uh, really explosive offenses, you look at the way, like, New England and Kansas City and Philadelphia run their teams, those are heavy two tight end sets. Um, yeah, great Scott Linehan, actually, what a lot of people don't realize, was Scott Linehan was the pioneer – in essence, of the single-back offense. Uh, He was not a fan of fullbacks. He uh, didn't like having them in his offense. He doesn't like running a lot of stuff with the tight end. It it was just he wasn't very good at it at the end. Um, And so I I think that overall it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing to have Witten and Jarwin on the field together. Um, And Witten, I think, provides some things in the run game and with his blocking that um, are, are needed, especially with some of the struggles Connor Williams has had this year. Um, I, I don't know that Jarwin would be somebody you'd want out there. In addition to some of the issues that you're having with Connor Williams, especially when the guards occasionally are asked to pull and get to the outside, and they're double teaming up or, or helping on the edge with some of what the tight ends doing. So, um, I, I think that Witten still provides some things that are a benefit above Jarwin. But um, overall, the tight end issue, I don't, I wouldn't.
1: Well, be a
2: priority. Bobby B, we got to go
1: 92 yards. Why is Jason Whitten on that field, man? (laughs) Uh,
2: I think, you know, that's a good question. But I also think that you want to go 92 yards, there's – going to be some third and sixes in there and that's still a reliable
1: third and six. Guy, oh yeah that, right? he, he is third and six hall of fame that he should and be the I, hall,
0: third and five i ain't giving him third <laughs> and six i'm giving him third and five because see let me tell you something about jason Witten. i know he's a hall of famer but people go get mad at me on my page because i'll be going ham on Witten. i'm sorry i do i want to see more play john i know he can block you know Witten. i know he can do all that but when i seen this thing from john on and he said 11 games this year Blake Jarwin had more snaps as a blocker in seven of those games than a receiver? That's that's a problem. We already know Blake Jarwin can't block. We already know he's not a good blocker. You go out on the field, you just show some tape, and you can see he ain't a good blocker. But why is he on the field as a blocker? I know that it could be farther down the list with Jarwin in the tight end position. But guess what? Maybe the slow starts don't happen if you get him involved early. You get that tight end uh, involved early and stress that field early. There's nothing wrong with that. Ain't no wrong with throwing the jaw away early.
2: I think, honestly, the biggest problem with the slow starts is it's not unusual. Every team in the NFL does it, they all script their plays, the first 15 plays.
0: I seen you had um, that stat.
2: Yeah, and that was something that uh, was actually started years, like late 80s. It was something Bill Walsh used to do with the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And carried over into George Seifert, and it became a, a thing that a lot of the NFL adopted. Um, that has been an issue, I think. I, I mean, if you look across the board, their yards per play, their yards per rush, their yards per pass, their touchdown percentage, first down percent, everything is much higher after the first 15 plays of the game when the scripting ends, yeah. other than yards per rush. Uh, yards per rush is significantly higher the first 15 plays of the game. I think that speaks to a heavier involvement from Jason Garrett in the game planning than when Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott are just calling the offense themselves after the first 15 plays. And I think that would explain why the first 15 plays, the offense oftentimes looks a lot similar to what we saw last year with Scott Linehan. And I think that that's largely the reason that they have these slow starts. Man, that's fucking cool here.
1: Did you hear yeah. that, y'all? George yeah. Seifert, Bill Walsh reference? Like, oh, my
2: goodness. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's <laughs> awesome. bringing that fire. But I, I, I ain't going to hold you up, Bobby, but I got a two-fold question for this defense that I just got to sure. talk about right quick. And, you know, my guy, Scott Walker, he brought up Jason Witten, But, you know, I'm going to bring up one guy who's uh, one of the leaders on the defense and another concern that is this going to be a big concern because career-threatening was brought up. First mm-hmm. of all, D-Law, four-and-a-half sacks so far this year gets the big contract, and I'm not saying – uh, he, You know, he's not working as hard because I know he's still going hard in the run game. He's still a great run defender. I think he has 24 pressure, so he's still getting after the quarterback. Uh, but has he taken a little bit of step back with four and a half sacks? Is it? Are we going to say it's the double teams? Are we going to say it's because of the injury? Um, or what do you think it is? Uh, Robert Quinn has nine and a half sacks. I know he's not receiving probably double teams like Law is, but what do you kind of think about that first? And then to kind of bounce off of that, what do you think about LVE in this neck? The Cowboys came out there and said, we don't think it's career-threatening. But anytime I hear career-threatening in any kind of sentence, I'm thinking it might be (laughs) (laughs) career-threatening.
2: I think that uh, in regards to D-Law, D-Law said this when they traded for Michael Bennett. They were talking about, you know, Michael Bennett bringing some more pressure and yada, yada, yada. And uh, D-Law said something like, okay, well, I mean, they're going to have to beat me to the quarterback. I I think it's just been a case this year where Robert Quinn is like, that's what he's best at is he's a speed rusher who gets around the end. I think he's just beating D-Law to the quarterback. And I think that, like, a lot of the – I mean, a a good example is what happened Sunday against the Patriots. Quinn just got there before D-Law could. D-Law would have gotten there, just it was – he didn't get there as quick as Quinn did. I I think Quinn just being a speed rusher who, you know, sets up wide nine and, like, goes around the corner. Has that crazy bend. Yeah, I think he's just getting there faster than D-Law. D-Law a a lot of push-pull, a lot of strength, a lot of, you know, pass rush moves, and I it's just – He's not going to be the speed rush right around the edge. It, because Quinn does that and he's been doing it so well this year, I just think he's getting there quicker than Lawrence could. I think Lawrence would have more sacks if there wasn't a Robert Quinn on the other side picking up a lot of them so quickly. Right. Um, but overall, I mean, yeah, you can't say that it's not disappointing that he's only got four and a half sacks. Though. That is obviously disappointing for a guy you just paid a lot of money to. Uh, but overall, I think he's been playing really well. On Leighton Vanders, I just think that was – I don't know that Jason Garrett even realized what he was gonna start by saying, "We don't believe it's career threatening." I think he was somehow causing reassurance and didn't realize that, like, well, just you volunteering the fact that yeah, you don't say that have, word.
0: Yeah, you don't, you don't bring
1: out that word.
2: Yeah, <laughs> That's I like mean, a doctor I mean, saying,
1: "I don't think we're gonna cut his leg off," <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean,
2: but I mean, and so like it was just it was weird. It was you know, we don't believe it's career threatening. Uh, not even season. Three. We just wanted to calm down. He said it was calm down. It's and that sounds weird. What? Like, yeah, at, like,
0: that's a naked one to MRI calm down. Oh,
2: wow. Like, that needs to calm down. <laughs> calm down was weird. Overall, I just think it was – I, I, I think they take neck injuries very seriously, period. And so uh, I, I think there may have just been general concern that why is the neck injury coming back? And mm-hmm. so they kind of may have thought, oh, well, is this MRI going to show something truth it? And then when it didn't, I think they were just – I think they were thinking other people outside the building had their same sort of just trepidation about neck injuries and uh, didn't realize the panic that they were starting. I don't think there's any concern about Van Esch's neck long-term. Um, I know there were some teams that talked about it when he was coming out of the draft. Dallas was not one of them. They don't think this is an issue. And uh, I think they just they are concerned that it may be for a few games they may be without him. But mm-hmm. overall, I think he'll be fine.
0: Yeah, well, let's hope so. Hey, man, well, well, you know what? We definitely appreciate your time jumping on Absolutely. here with our Stargaze podcast, coming with that fire, by Bobby Digital. That's why I called you the Digi, because you just be like the RZA. He forms, yes, the, head like Vol- <laughs> he forms the head like Voltron, you know what I mean? So we there definitely you appreciate you coming on here, throwing that fire for us. Uh, definitely go out there and please check out that Boys and Girls podcast with you and Jane Slater. You said you're going to be doing an episode tomorrow, right?
2: Yep, uh, dropping an episode tomorrow.
0: All right, so make sure y'all check that out, man. My guy, I definitely appreciate you. You came back yes, and sir. me Thank back you. on the whim and everything. So I appreciate the love that you showed and continue to keep shooting out that fire, man, because I'll be sharing the mess out of that on my page. Man.
2: Absolutely. I appreciate it, you guys. Hey, Thanks, buddy. will talk
0: to you soon, man. Appreciate you.
2: Thanks. Peace.
1: Okay, welcome back, boys and girls, to our final segment of the show, Stargaze Cowboys Podcast, Episode 5. We just had a fire segment with Bobby Belt from NFL Network.
0: Hey, man, that was some good stuff. Bobby always comes with that stuff. That's why I call him Bobby Digital. You know what I'm saying? He's Digi. He be coming with that flame. Check him out on Twitter. He comes with some good stats and just stuff that you don't be thinking of, Um, but you know, Got some good breakdown, and guess what? We're going to talk about these Buffalo Bills.
1: Yes, we do have a Thanksgiving Day game, per usual, with the Dallas Mm -hmm. Cowboys. The funny thing about Thanksgiving, I'm not going to get into all the stories, but I have to eat before the game because the Cowboys sometimes will make me
0: lose my appetite. Yeah, I can't eat. Yeah, I can't do that. You know,
1: I so I, mean, I got, and this it's a tradition. You it's
0: know, a Cowboys. good, it's a 4.30 game. That's yes. one thing I love about it. You can eat early because as you said, when Cowboys games are one o'clock and I'm getting up or anything like that, I can never eat. I can't mm-hmm. drink. I can't do anything. I just stand up the whole time. It's hard for me to sit down, but when I got to do a show like a watch party, I can have to sit down. But more times than not, I'm standing right in front of the TV, right in front of it, can't move. And I'm just... Uh, any any play, I'm moving any, my body moves when the when the ball snap, my body's moving too.
1: I'll tell you what, if you're listening to this podcast, you just as much
0: just as bad as we are. <laughs> I'm telling bad. you. Right now. We bad. We bad to the bad. bone. Bad to the bone.
1: Well well who's not bad and is the Buffalo Bills. Um Man, I, and that's unfortunate because if they were a bad team, I would be like, I guarantee! a victory mm, we ain't doing that now but they're eight and three and i tweeted out uh today about the whole Cole Beasley thing and got a lot of feedback from that um and people were saying oh well they're only eight and three because of their defense and because of this i don't care how they got to eight three they're eight and three and they aren't playing horrible <laughs> so this game is going to be tough now i'm gonna toss it to you uh, to give us what is the best part of their team, and in my opinion, that's the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just really think this team is a defensive team. They do have offensive guys, which I'll you in a second. But you know, let, let everybody know you know what we what we're running into here with Buffalo. Uh, if you can.
0: Well, like you said, it is the strength of their, their team. Um, I will say this before they they're they're in the same boat with the Cowboys in that. Have um, with that team. They haven't been a good team they have an 8-3 record if you listen to a lot of people over and over in the Buffalo side and they're and things of that nature they're dealing with that same thing people are saying they have a soft schedule people are saying yeah your wins okay but they you ain't beat nobody good and when you did play a pretty decent team you lost so they're dealing with the same type of kind of aura so they, they can probably marry each other right. but as you said before the defense is their strength now I looked at a few of their games, and uh, you know when they lost to Cleveland. One of the things I saw in the Cleveland game, and when they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, when they lost that game, Cleveland and Philadelphia continually ran the ball. Okay, and Cleveland uh, Chubb had over twenty carries for over a hundred yards. They pounded the ball. I'm in Philly uh, with, uh, uh, what was that guy that came over from? Jordan, Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard. They pounded with him. He had and Miles turns. Sanders had some good. He had, he had some big touches. long runs. He only yeah. touched the ball, I maybe mean, three or four times, but they were long runs. Mm-hmm. And getting them up the middle, that's where you can see a Tony Pollard getting in that game. So run. He- I'm not saying let's be run heavy, but let's definitely be cognizant of the run because they can be gashed. Now, if you look at their stats across the board on the defensive side, the third overall in total defense, um, third overall, I mean, like, total points scored. I mean, third in passing yards, 14th in rushing. So, and they give up, like, 104 yards a game. So, that's something I feel like the Cowboys really need to attack with Ezekiel Elliott and throwing that Tony Pollard. We still need to stay with the run. If it gets stuffed a little bit early, let's not go away from it and say let's abandon this and still go going pass heavy. Because their strength, to me, is their pass defense. And we'll talk about that here in a second. Yes. Uh, but the third overall point scored against, they're giving up 15 points a game. And uh, fifth overall, and um, third down percentage with 33%, so they're pretty good in uh, you know attacking you on third down and getting you off. And Cowboys are really good on first down, so that's going to be a battle right there. But as I said before, secondary is really their strength, but they do got some guys up front mm-hmm. um, that 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 are concerning that will give you maybe some problems. They got their number one draft pick, Ed Oliver who I think is starting to come on his own, starting to starting to kind of get in his groove. He has three total sacks this year. Uh, but one thing I really like about uh, what he brings to the table, he's got that speed um, and he has that good – he's got strength, okay? And one of the problems that we've seen Tyron Smith have is with them speed rushers, okay? And they also got a guy in Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson is a guy who has been injured in his career, but he's yeah. finally healthy. And he's given a good performance this year. Um, they got man in the middle, Star, what's his last name? I don't Star even Latouille. Star Latouille. He came over from Carolina, correct? Carolina, yeah. And he was, that was a start worth in that middle. And what is he? Them big run stuffer. And we do have problems with those big guys up in the middle. Connor Williams even though he got bigger. Travis Frederick. Travis yeah. Fred, yes, Travis Frederick, too. Let's not leave him because we've seen him have problems with that. And I think Travis Frederick, to me, honestly, he's just more of a finesse center. You know what I'm saying? He's like that Mark Sepnasky way back in the day.
1: Maybe right give now. You a,
0: he, I think he's just more finesse right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the problem is you got a Star Latouille in there, and that could be a problem. Mm. We got Trent Murphy all the way over there as well. He used to be with the Cowboys. I believe he was a draft pick of us. Came well, from is Stanford. that
1: man? No, that's Trent Murphy that played with the uh Skins.
0: Oh, is that, he used that to play against
1: okay. the Cowboys. Okay. All the time. you probably okay. know his name because he always sacked. We back. had
0: a, we had a Stanford guy. I'm, I'm thinking another guy we drafted on the defensive line, but Trent Murphy's on there. Um Defensive end Jerry Hughes. He's had a pretty. Ever since he's come over to Buffalo, Man, because he was a bust over at um, Indianapolis, Indianapolis over there. He came over and been a been a beast over in in Buffalo. So he's a guy that you got to watch on the edge as well. So we have to watch those edge guys. We got to keep them contained. But I think another good strength for them is that linebacker and one of the guys that actually wanted to draft. We took LVE. But I wanted this dude. It was Tremaine Edmonds. Right, I actually did. <laughs> I did actually a video of him on Coach J's film day. And I said, this is what I wanted the Cowboys to pick. Because I love the size. I love what he brought to the table in the pass game and the run game. He has oh, what, He has 82 tackles this season. Whew. Been everywhere. I mean, he's took, he's took the he next step. he's a big boy, as, too? Big boy. He's like six foot five, Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I love him. And he knocks down passes because he has those long arms, but I really liked him. Got another guy named Matt Milano. He had a b- good game against these Broncos. Last game was all over the field, had seven tackles. He had 70 tackles on the year, and then kind of a mainstay linebacker, Lorenzo uh, uh, Alexander. He's been a mainstay. He had one big season. I think, he, I'm gonna have, I think he had like 10 sacks one season with the Buffalo Bills. So they got a pretty good, decent linebacking core, decent front seven. You can run on them if you stay with it. Do some good traps and draws, and I know they definitely go for that bootleg play fake. They run the linebackers press hard on those play fakes, so I know we can get them on some boots, get some Tony Pollard in, get some mixed match and throw some, maybe some Tavon Austin in there, kind of get them with some misdirection type things. But let's talk about the secondary yes, because yes, that's, that's really their strength the right now. Is. They got your boy who's young in the game, Tredavious White, who they really like over Top there. Top five, man. Nice guy, but you know what? They got some guys who I think always seems to give us problems is safety Michael Hyde. I don't know I, what it is. I was waiting for you to get to that, that, that name. <laughs> that dude always is around the Cowboys giving us problems, and I'm like, here he go, and he just always seems to have big games. I don't know what it is, but he always seems to have big games. But they got a safety over there uh, named Jordan Poyer, who PFF mm-hmm. has him as one of the uh, one of the surprises in their secondary. And let's check this out. He only has four missed tackles on 73 attempts, really good in the passing game, and that makes up one of the best safety combos in the league, him and Micah Hyde. So they're going to be a problem. Question um, question
1: on Hyde, I don't know if you've seen it or not, because I know Micah Hyde was real versatile in the past. He played some slot and he played some safety. Are they doing that with Micah Hyde? Are they matching him up in the slot at times, or he's playing more back?
0: I see him playing more back, but I see him when they play like the Cleveland Browns, in in essence, or it seems like when they have receivers that can really do some damage in a three, four wide set, you see him starting to drop down, especially in that slot. So I could see him probably going after like a a Randall Cobb against us uh, because he does have good one-on-one. He has good one-on-one quickness, and he's a good defender, and he has good anticipation. Um, So that's one of the really good things that they like about him. He has good anticipation to the ball. So it's going to be a daunting task because across the board, in their rankings, they're good across the board. And they have athletic players. They have guys that can get off the ball and they're quick off the ball. Um, so And we've seen that the Cowboys do have problems not with just size, but guys shooting the gaps quickly, and the Buffalo Bills do that. And they can stop the run quickly. So the Cowboys are going to have to be real cognizant of making some not – let's being not – I don't have no problem running, but let's get kind of out of the the norm and let's kind of trick them up. You know what I'm saying? Let's not yeah. just run straight up the middle. Let's not do our same plays where we're doing straight sweeps because they're good on the sweeps. And they know, especially when I was watching the Cleveland game, Chubb was getting his yards early. But once they kind of made made the adjustments in the second half, they kind of shut him down. So they got to be able to uh, run the ball. But you can throw on these guys too. They got a good defense, but they do have leaks. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah, we have to find be able those holes. We have to find those holes and we have to be able to attack them. Um it's going to be a daunting test, but I definitely think the Cowboys can make plays in the passing and run game, but we have to be able to keep them off balance and we can't be uh what we say predictable. Yeah, Sean
1: McDorm you can't be against Sean McDormand. He man, I am so impressed with him and what he's doing in Buffalo
0: since he's been there.
1: Um his track record speaks for itself as a coordinator. Everywhere he's been, Philly. And he was with Kansas. Philly, and
0: we. He and the, and the thing. Another thing is to talk about that is he knows about Dallas, so mm-hmm. that's an advantage to him because this is an AFC team that is not. A, you know, we haven't seen them in what four years, but this is an AFC team that's getting an NFC type coach that yep. knows the Cowboys. He knows how they do the alignments as well, far guess as what? offenses.
1: Everybody know what Jason Garrett's doing.
0: I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, just saying. Messing, I'm, just I'm just saying that's gonna, you know, that's helping him as far as his preparation for his Buffalo Bills. Absolutely. So the Cowboys really got to bring their A game, and you know they're gonna be hyped up with Cole Beasley coming back. They're gonna try to show and prove. Um, so you know you're about to talk about the offense because yeah. I don't think the offense is a strength, but I'm telling you they got a couple players in um, Josh Allen, who can scramble in oh, yeah, Singletary, uh, who's just a scatterbug. Uh, I'm just, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but definitely got to be able to get after this defense.
1: To wrap up the D, uh, the, the star matchup I'm going to be watching is Tredavious White and Amari Cooper. I, I loved with that article that KD dropped. That you oh, read, it was a fire. Shared. Yes, yeah. it was fire.
0: And people were hating on the article, but you know what it was? How can you? It's but, the truth. Well, well, here's the thing. People can't handle the truth. We should probably, uh-huh. should have thought probably throw that one up for next time. But <laughs> they couldn't handle the truth because people don't want to hear. Cowboys fans don't want to hear nobody bashing their players. Okay? But it's, it's not bashing. It's truth. And people don't want to hear truth about Cowboys players. And there's and people are always, oh, he's hurt. This is not just because he was hurt. They said it was happening in Oakland. Okay? It was happening in his whole career. What uh, Big Game James
1: games. is saying is the if you look at the statistics for Amari Cooper, at home, they're phenomenal. On the road, they're very pedestrian and sometimes poor. And so you can't blame it on injuries because it's been happening since day one. Um, and if you can't handle the truth about the Dallas Cowboys, this isn't the podcast that you want to listen to. I'm going to nah, tell you right now. You
0: can't handle the truth. Don't come nope. over here because you ain't going to like us.
1: Nope. Well, let me give you some truth about the Bills offense. Um give me some it, truth. It starts with Josh Allen. Um, this, you look at his statistics, you're like, oh, man, he's – pretty solid quarterback Uh, well he's i let me let me let me tell you why he's okay he's very good in game. we talked about him being mobile you said it he's mobile he's athletic you think jeff driscoll was athletic man wait till you see this big boy okay he can move he has the second most carries behind lamar jackson in the league at quarterback and he has seven touchdowns it's more than lamar jackson at quarterback um his issues are accuracy Mm-hmm. okay he is not an accurate passer he's actually bottom tier in a lot of categories In true completion percentage he's only completing 30 percent of, of his passes uh with a, a true pass rating of 89 i'm sorry he's in the bottom tier of qbs and true completion percentage and deep balls at 30 percent, and he has a true passer rating of 89 uh, he's the bottom tier in uh, efficiency stats like play action percent uh, pressure completions, clean pocket completions. He ranks twenty-second or lower in all of those categories. Clean pocket, he ranks, I believe, in the thirties. Thirties in a clean pocket. The guy can't. Throw, he can't hit a. He can't hit a trash can right in front of him. He just can't.
0: But you know what? That was his not coming out of college. Yep. Uh, he, and had the, he had he had the big arm in college, but they said his accuracy. And if you ain't accurate in college, I don't know how said you get accurate in the pros. You don't which, hey,
1: credit to their offensive coordinator. They realize this, so they say, you know what? We're not going to throw the ball 40 times a game with this guy. Josh Allen has almost 400 yards rushing, like I said, and seven touchdowns, and he is hard to bring down. Mm -hmm. You get in that red zone, he is a true weapon, kind of like Dak Prescott should be. Hello, Jason Garrett. I won't do it. They won't do it, but they do it with with, uh, Josh Allen. And it's not just your traditional, oh, I'm going to, you know, get in a shotgun and do a RPO. or No, no,
0: they will flat-out run sweeps with this guy. Yes, just hike the ball straight to him almost like a direct snap and to going. Tebow. He mm-hmm. basically is what they wanted Tebow to be. Because he's big and fast.
1: Man, that, he, can, he
0: can He's, move he's with, big you know. and fast. He's big and fast. Can move and the in. Cowboys better be on that, especially they with better. the tackling. They
1: better. I'm not worried about him throwing, but I'm worried about him being a in threat run game. in the run game. Yes. I really am. Now, it's, it's not just Josh Allen that you got to watch out for in a run game. Uh, Frank Gore, man, he is still going. He's a Hall of Famer. He's not anyone that's going to scare you, but Frank Gore is a nifty runner still. He's 541 yards he has. He's only averaging 3.8 yards per carry, but it's his running mate. Everybody is kind of wowing about that swatch the tape. I'm sure you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's talking about Devin Singletary, the rookie. Um, we all follow the draft when we cover the Cowboys coming out, and he was one of the guys we looked at. Uh, To play that Tony Pollard role, but not much of a role for Tony Pollard. But Devin Singletary is clearly the better back. Um, He's clearly the more explosive back. He's averaging 5.8 yards per carry. He is someone you have to get down. He is shifty. He has more broken tackles than um, Ezekiel Elliott.
0: And he's and, strong, and and, and 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 he keeps some legs churning. Yeah, he's he not. Go, he keeps them legs. He's not some little. Even though he's not tall in stature, he's not some little dude.
1: This ain't Lance Dunbar out there, y'all. This ain't Lance. In fact, we got a guy like him. You think Tony Pollard is a gadget player until he runs that ball and he runs through you, or you mm-hmm. see, oh man, this guy's actually a tough runner. That mm-hmm. is Devin Singletary. Mm-hmm. Okay, and like you said, having here, he's a jitterbug back. Okay, he can press the edges and he can make you miss. Um, he's getting more and more involved. You know? mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, they weren't using him much. Uh, the last four games, he's got 23, 11, 18, and 21 touches uh, after not being used much, really at all in the first uh, four games of his career. So Devin Singletary is probably going to be the most dangerous weapon that uh, Josh Allen is going to be handing the ball off to. And I, know, I know, Did you study him coming out of the draft?
0: Um, I didn't really – I'm going to keep it real. I really didn't uh, go hard on some Devin Singletary – but yeah. you know what? Um, I didn't think he had that much power. You know, I, then, I didn't think he would do this this early. Yeah, I didn't think oh, he's he had been that impressive. much power, but he's definitely been impressive. And then also when you're behind a Hall of Fame back in Frank Gore, that only makes you better as a player. Yeah. Between,
1: I think they're one of only three teams that has, uh, or two teams that has their, their quarterback has about 400 and two running backs that have about 500 yards rushing in the league. So they are going to have it here. Run, run, run. Everything starts with them running, and it starts with uh, Josh Allen running the ball. Now, obviously, they got to throw the ball, right? Right. And we know they have one of the guys over here. Let's just talk about it right now. Cole Beasley
0: mm-hmm. talked a lot. Of trash, He talked a
1: whole I,
0: bunch of trash on the way out.
1: I've never seen anyone that salty. Yeah. After they left a franchise, well, mm. after they left the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it, Antonio Brown, but I after noticed. the, yeah, he left the Cowboys and it was just tweet after tweet about this and that and the Bills, this and the it, it was unbelievable, but. He's having a solid year and nothing spectacular. He's going to go on to have career numbers because he wasn't used like he's being used in Buffalo. Uh, he's sitting at about, about 500 yards, four four touchdowns. He's going to surpass his career numbers in Buffalo. He's still Cole Beasley, though, y'all, which means he can get open, and which means he's usually the quarterback safety blanket, and that is
0: Josh Allen's safety blanket. And he's going to throw to him a lot in this game. You yes. best believe in this damn game. He, this Jordan is Lewis. This, I already said it. Jordan Lewis should be on him like he should have been against Edelman all game. Shouldn't have been nobody else. It needs to be Jordan Lewis and say, hey, you've seen him in practice. You know the routes he's going to do because it's almost the same damn routes. Same routes. Same, <laughs> same damn routes he was doing in Dallas. He's doing in Buffalo. So you know what he's going to do. You know he's not going deep, but be careful of it. But you know where he's going to attack you. Be ready for it and make them plays, Jordan. That's what you tell them.
1: When you're watching Josh Allen, if you take him away, which is a security blanket on any given play, Allen is looking to
0: go. Okay, he's he, running, he's and he's going to gonna go. hold the ball. He's going to hold that ball too.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's not a dude that's throwing the ball away, which is why his, his true completion percentage is, is what it is. He's going to try to make the pass, but he's or run. That's it. He's he's looking to throw it throw it to Cole Beasley or John Brown, or he's running. Okay, and the other receiver there is John Brown. I thought John Brown, when he came to Buffalo, would have so many deep ball passes um, completed because. One thing about Josh Allen, he probably has the second strongest arm in the league.
0: But okay. it don't matter if you ain't accurate. It don't matter if you ain't accurate. You know and, what I'm saying?
1: And John Brown's a blazer. Now, he is their number one wide receiver. He has about 800 and so yeah, yard, 856 yards, five touchdowns. He hasn't, like I said, he hasn't hit that huge play yet. His longest reception this year is only 40 yards. But obviously, that potential is there because in his career, he has receptions of 52, 68, 75, 71. And he has putt returns that go long. So the guy's a big play uh, guy, but they just don't get him the ball down there. And if I had to be honest, I don't really foresee that changing in this game because we don't let too many balls get behind us. Everything kind of happens in front of us and we miss tackles. Yeah. Um, There was a statistic out there on Twitter. I'm not sure if you saw it. Uh, After that great performance, I think it was against the the Giants. Giants?
0: Yeah, definitely close to that.
1: Yeah, they had double-digit missed tackles ever since. Um, you can't not do that with Devin Singletary, Cole Beasley, John Brown.
0: Or Josh Allen. I'm or telling Josh you, Allen. I'm, uh, he's, he's the one. I know we're talking about Singletary, and I know he can get loose. But Josh Allen keeps ringing in my ear how much I think he's yeah, going to scary. run in this game. I think he is going to run a lot in this Cowboys game. Um, I think – and what do we talk about? That middle pressure. That middle pressure is going to be huge in this game. If we don't pressure that middle and he's able to get past those edges and – be able to scoot up in the middle and be able to run. It's gonna be bad for us, man. It's just gonna be a long day, and the Cowboys are really—I'm not saying—have a spy on him. That's <laughs> why we the stargaze, man. You know he's what I'm saying? My mind, hey, y'all. Hey, dog, like you gotta have somebody spy him in the middle and just watch for him because, as you said, he's not accurate. He, oh and he—and the reason why he—he's not accurate, and so it helps the Cowboys because. Since he's not accurate, he's not going on that one, two, three, first read. He's not doing that because he's not confident enough to make that read and throw. So he tends to hold it longer. Those few seconds help the Cowboys with their pass rush because they can get there. But if they have that spy there on the middle to watch this dude because he's not going to kill us in the pass game, we can easily shut down this offense and make it a bad day for him. And guess what? Josh Allen does turn the ball over too. Yes, sir. He will give it up on the interceptions and – he will fumble the ball he fumbles fumbles a lot
1: actually he's one of the Mm -hmm. most fumbling quarterbacks since he came into the league and it's so crazy that you brought up the spy because i was going there next this is the type of quarterback you have to have like a jalen smith or a a thomas spy because he's not he's not going to beat you with those nifty accurate passes that aaron Rodgers will aaron Rodgers will make you press the line of scrimmage because he takes two steps forward in the side arm, that thing right by your ear hole for a completion that's going to go 30 yards that's not josh allen okay josh allen will tuck and try to run you over but, but he's not going to throw the ball so i'm really really wondering if we're going to see um jalen smith or, or thomas spy like that I, I don't think we'll see a sean lee do it sean lee's not as athletic um but you never know you never know um now for their o-line their offensive line It's okay. It's pretty good. It's actually a a solid, really solid pass blocking offensive line. They are number four uh, when it comes to the pass block win rate uh, in the NFL. And Allen's been sacked 23 times, but which is right in the middle of the road. But honestly, if it wasn't for him being able to run around, that number could have been increased. But it's you got to live with him because he's young. He owes the ball and he runs around and takes sacks. But their offensive line in the pass blocking game is actually pretty good. Um in the run game, they are what they are. They're a mauler type of offense that's going to try to create holes for their mauling running back in core And the jitterbug, Devin Singletary, finds these holes and he scats around. Like you said, Josh Allen and
0: Devin Singletary. If you if you sap them, that offense is going to the, the offense is done. Now, I like, like the I like the rookie tight end uh, Dawson Knox. Too. Knox, I like him. He's he's a hardcore guy. He and, and you know he don't get the ball enough, but I, yeah. I, I just keep your eye on him, Cowboys, because he's sneaky.
1: Yeah, the the only two players on the offense that have more than seventeen receptions um, as receivers or tight ends is Cole Beasley and John Brown. So they don't really throw the ball to anyone else. <laughs> you yeah, know
0: what I mean? for sure.
1: Yeah, but just, Knox has had a wearing, but, yeah he's had a couple clutch catches.
0: Yeah, he's having a couple yeah. of discs. I had, think he had a couple of ones in the Cleveland game. But, mm-hmm. you know, just keep your eye on him. Just like you said, Josh, I mean, Josh Allen is just not the guy that can really scan the field and, and make good reads. So that's why he tends to, you know, dump it off quickly to Cole Beasley. It's going to be a lot of dump offs, some quick five-yard dump offs Cole Beasley to get him to a second and five, making their uh it the more manageable as far as the offense goes. So you don't have to put that pressure. You have a Josh Allen at a third and 12 or a third and 15 where the – um, defensive ends can pin their ears back and cause fumbles or interceptions. They're cognizant yeah. of it. Their coaches know that he is not the most accurate guy, and they also know that he can turn the ball over. We've seen it. Um, if you start pressuring him and he starts uh, getting pressure a lot, those turnovers can come in ways with Josh Allen. That's what we need to create. and You need to take advantage of them because
1: it really truly does feel like this defense is, is never around the ball enough to take advantage of It was frustrating to watch that Patriots game. There was three opportunities on tip balls, mm-hmm. and there wasn't a single soul that dove for the ball that that ran for wanted that ball. Where you Xavier look at three-
0: Woods should have had that dive for that interception. I mean, on, he hit man. it up in the air. The ball went up there. High enough for as soon as that ball hit up in the air, you should be running underneath that. Not jumping up and down that the ball I was hit. I saw miss one too. Yeah, you're just jumping up and down. That ball was near you, dog. Go As soon as that ball was up in the air, you should have went and attacked it. But
1: go look on the other side of the field. Look at all the balls that were tipped or in the area of a defender to try to make a play. Man, it was diving all over the place for those balls. You got to want that ball. And I don't know that these guys are teaching them that. I feel like these guys are teaching them don't get beat. You know, don't get
0: beat. I mean, just, and, just don't get beat. And we, it's at it's the off. end of the day, when you see, you remember, I think you said maybe a couple episodes ago, you know, the team will make up how the coach is. And when you watch the team, we're, we're uber talented. Everybody can see we're uber talented, but that conservative, scary type nature, it's prevalent through the offense and it's prevalent through the defense, especially when we get pressure put on us you can see the conservative come out real quick.
1: And, guys, that's what I mean by Jason Garrett's DNA is just sapped into this entire team. Go look at Chris Richard prior to coming to Dallas. Look at Rod Marinelli prior to coming to Dallas. Rod Marinelli, the Chicago Bears, one of the all-time great
0: turnover teams for years. I mean – If you go back and look at the stats that they had at the Chicago Bears, they were setting records with Records. They were setting records turnover-wise defensively. They were getting like two to three turnovers a game. They were setting records a game. Touchdowns. And now you come over to Dallas and it's gone. And that's a great point that you said because I never really just really, really, really looked at it like that. But then I started going back after you said that how it's just like anybody else. If you go into somebody else's house, okay, and their house is one kind of way. Uh, you're gonna go in there, and you're going to end up morphing to being that kind of way as well.
1: Yeah, you. It, it's it's poem P O M E product of my environment. That is exactly what they are becoming—a product of their environment. And when you got a conservative coach, uh, that will trickle down. Look, at, it's it's the players too. Look at the interviews. Look at their on-field mannerism. It's all in. It's all in the DNA. These the guys. Interv- are- yeah, the
0: inter- the interviews are even more. Just kind of like we don't answer you. We will just say like a robotic thing to get you to shut up. Yeah, we know we need to get better. We know we know the task at hand. No, we know no we need to. <laughs> <laughs> we it, it, that's the same answer that all they all give. That's why I said I will not post. Any of their interviews, unless it's somebody new, like when Michael Bennett just came to the team, I posted that. But other than that, right. I ain't posting them interviews. I ain't posting Dak Prescott because they all sound the same. They're not telling us nothing. I don't feel like they're taking it. Even though they're, in a way, uh, verbally, they're taking responsibility. But in my heart, I feel like you're just saying that for us to shut up.
1: You know why, the, and you know why you're saying that is because they know they're not getting benched. They know it. Who's taking their spot? Well, there's players that I would like to see, but they ain't doing it. They ain't doing that. They're Mm -hmm. not doing that. It takes a catastrophic injury, on Tony Romo. Uh,
0: Yeah, injury that
1: to happen. Yeah.
0: Pretty (laughs) much. You have to You're not gonna lose your spot for playing bad. Man. Like if D Law was playing bad and somebody was playing better than him, they would never bench him for a With somebody like D Law, you'd have to be playing atrocious. Yeah, I'm I'm just saying. You you've had seen I've seen coaches with even top players. I mean you're not doing good and they're going to a serious funk. Maybe you need to sit down for a couple plays, get your mind right. That sure. would never just happen in Dallas where they say just sit sit down, maybe get your although I have seen Rob Marinelli deactivate players now. He does do that. They do that we, to some young boys. Yeah. I mean he did he did it to uh your boy um when he was over here and he went over back over to the Raiders, right, Vincent uh Mayoa. I remember when he deactivated him like three or four games. Then when he yeah. activated, I'm just saying when he <laughs> activated him. He came back and had like three or four sacks. He ended I, up I being remember our leading that. sacker that, I remember that, 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 that. year. <laughs> I'm just saying. I remember
1: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, now Rod Marinelli is a different cat in, in the sense that he'll like to fire. He ass. Here, here's the thing. Rob Marinelli is an, he's a he's a retired vet, I believe. He's, he's a veteran he's, guy. Oh like this guy's ways aren't changing how he teaches and runs Mm-mm. runs things. Um, I, but So I don't think it's Rob Marinelli, his teachings, that is why this team is conserved. Because if it was up to him, I think they'd be a lot more aggressive. I truly think you have a guy like Jason Garrett that says, listen, guys, we're going to play this thing close. Just don't get beat. As long as we we keep it, we make them matriculate down the field and stop them in the red zone, and we'll be fine. We're going to do what we do, and we'll be fine doesn't it feel that way because it feels like that's all that happens with
0: this I would defense. just I, that's why I want to get in that action and get in that locker room so I can really just I want to really know because I don't know Jason Garrett and that's what I want to know I, because you see the outward and you really think is this what it really is because the outward says all this one thing the outward says it's all this one thing you're conservative you're scary um yeah you you're probably a smart guy and i think you do have a game plan and you're meticulous in that aspect but i just feel like you overthink things in the robotic sense and then just don't play with the emotion of the game like okay hey we're trying to do this let's go let's do this instead of being like yeah no you know what uh we're gonna have to go for the field goal on this one let's go out here and win it guys win it right here like you don't I don't hand clapping, that. ain't nobody hand clapping you, dog. After you, we feel like you should go for a fourth down, or you should go for the oh, touchdown, and then we kick a field goal, and then you want to smack hands we get off the field. That's when players ain't trying smack to smack hands. your hand because they feel like, you know what? No, we should have went for this touchdown. I ain't smacking your hand, dog.
1: Well, like you mentioned earlier in the episode, if he don't get it done Thursday, it's going
0: to be a lot hotter in that locker room. Oh, it's going to be on flame. Fuego. I mean, he's, this is this has to be. I mean, the 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 talking is too loud this year. The the talking has been loud. I mean, has been loud before about you know Jason Garrett this, but especially with this you being uh, your last year your contract, the loud noise is crazy. And Jerry hears it. Jerry hears the fans. Jerry Larry listens. He don't, he listens. So he's hearing these fans start continue to go off, and that's why he's talking about the coaching now. That's why he's bringing it up the coaching now because he hears the fans. And just like you said, also he's putting the on notice to the coaches that I, I, if I'm talking about this too, y'all better be listening. Cause you know what? When these fans start talking about it, and my money might be getting messed up, I'm gonna make some changes. <laughs> let's let's keep it real. It's about money too. You better get it done on Turkey Day, brother.
1: He better get it. He better not ruin my Thanksgiving. I know that. I
0: mean, I mean, dog. Like I said, I don't. I don't even know what to give. No prediction. And, no, you know, I ain't
1: something. doing all that. We ain't doing. I told it. you. I told
0: you. No. No predictions. But no. not even. Not even. I don't even. Even bold predictions. I don't even want to do no bold predictions. No more. I'm. I want to just boycott predictions. Period. Win. Yeah. I ain't doing y'all doing not Y'all, y'all didn't. Piss me off. I'm tired <laughs> of just jumping out there saying Cowboys win. Get I'll him. just I'm jumping out there. Cowboys going to do this. Cowboys going to do that. And then when I after I say the statement in my heart, I'm like, I hope y'all do this. I hope y'all do this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm
1: keeping it real. Say, I'm going to say it with my chest, but then when, it, when it's done, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, mean, oh, man, come I don't on. know. man. I'm just saying, dog. It's, <laughs> a, it's a
0: bad thing when I go against opposing people in the media or fans or things of that nature, opposing fans and they say, oh, but your coach sucks and blah, blah, blah this. Yep. And I just sit there and look at him like,
1: Yep. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. I had a buddy of mine on Facebook say, uh, I don't know what's funnier, that the Cowboys or that Jason Garrett's name is being brought up to a division rival or that the division rival don't want him. I said, you got it backwards. The Cowboy fans don't want him.
0: No, we, we don't want sh- him. To go ship straight. him
1: right off to New York.
0: Go straight to New York. I'd rather he just go somewhere else because I don't
1: even want to see you no more. Listen, buddy's here. We got a game Thursday. He needs to win it. Listen, Jason Garrett, I want to see you win the Super Bowl, brother. I really do. I really do. Because that means we get the sixth ring. So, it starts Thursday. Let's get it done.
0: Yeah. We'll All right, see. y'all.
1: This has been an explosive show, man. Bobby Belt came on. Great video. show. Follow him on Twitter. Yep. I believe it's at Bobby Belt, B-E-L-T. TX, uh great follow, man, and of course follow us, man. Show them. Tell mm-hmm. them where they can
0: where they can find you if they don't know yet. Big game, James. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Yates James Y A I T E S. There is no other out there. Go check. Go look in your books. Go look in your go look in your phone books if they still have them out there. Everything. It's only one Yates, and it's us. So you'll find me at Yates James, and you can on get- Twitter. Follow me on Facebook, Big Game James. Follow me on Silver and Blue Nation. That's my page right there. Got it banging. We about 60K strong. We're continuing to keep on growing. So, hey, get on over there. Like, follow, share, all that good stuff because we kicking it. We're bringing the heat. We're bringing the truth. And guess what? That's just what it is. Can't lie over here. And we're just going to speak it. Everybody ain't got to agree with it. We still going to speak it. Back to
1: Mundo. You can find me, Skywalker Still, on Twitter at because cowboys spelled out like you said, because cowboys and on YouTube, Skywalker Still, I post a lot of cowboy content there, and I'm always posting cowboy content on Twitter. And like you said, y'all, we are going to speak the truth. If you don't like that, this ain't the podcast for
0: ya. But you should want the truth. You can't handle the truth. But, but you, you should want it. You should want the truth in your life. Everybody should want the truth and not a lie because a lie is not going to do anything just but to bring you down.
1: And what will the truth do?
0: Set you free. Woo! (laughs)
1: We're going to end it like that, brother. Thank you for your time. Make sure you tune in next week for the podcast episode following this Bills game leading into, I believe, the uh, Bears game. Hopefully it's a W, y'all. We're going to holler at you. Peace. Peace.